The New York primary results are in, and New York Republicans have overwhelmingly voted for a miasmic shroud of moral darkness. New York is where the future comes to rehearse, said one voter in an exit poll, and we see a future in which a miasmic shroud of moral darkness covers not only our state, but the nation as a whole. We wanted our vote to show the world that we could bring an end to both the Republic and all the best hopes for the future of humanity. On the Democrat side, New Yorkers had a choice between economically crippling and morally debased corruption and economically crippling and morally debased socialism. Said one New York voter as he left the polling place, quote, My feeling is that it doesn't really matter whether it's socialism or corruption. As long as we vote for something economically crippling and morally debased, then it's in keeping with the principles of the Democratic Party. As the returns came in last night, New York voters of both parties gathered together to celebrate the outcome and to dance around a golden calf, performing ritual sexual acts, committing human sacrifices, and collecting bags of souvenir swag. The chief speaker of the celebration told the assembled crowd, congratulations on your primaries, New York. I am Dagon. I am Moloch. I am Baal. Serve me, and I will destroy all that is good and beautiful. As the crowd cheered, one New York voter remarked, why isn't he running for president? We could have just voted for him. The speeches were followed by a brief ceremony in which the moral darkness of the Republicans and the moral debasement of the Democrats were conjured into human shape as a 12-story high figure of Donald Trump and an equally enormous Hillary Clinton. Then the two gigantic golems were set loose to stage a titanic struggle destined to leave the entire nation in ruins. It's sort of like the final fight between Superman and Zod at the end of Man of Steel, said one excited primary voter, except instead of just destroying a city and killing thousands, it could bring down the entire country leaving millions dead in its wake. The voter added, New York is the only state that didn't vote for the Declaration of Independence. It's taken us more than 200 years, but we're finally going to put this whole America puppy to rest. That's what I call New York values. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. <laughs> All right, into, into the maelstrom we go. You were warned, and now we're here in the swirling darkness. And the end of your republic is brought to you by Hillsdale College. <laughs> Hillsdale, Hillsdale College will not give up. They will not give up on the republic. We keep we keep calling them. We keep saying, forget it. It's over. The whole thing is done. Didn't you didn't you watch the New York primary? They keep saying, no, I think if we teach people about the Constitution and the presidency, all right, so we're going to give them their chance. Give them their chance to teach you about the presidency, that's what they're teaching now. It's a free course on the American presidency that is there to teach people that it is not supposed to be a monarchy. So many current candidates view the presidency as the accumulation of all three powers, the legislative, the executive, and the judi judicial, but that is not how the framers designed it. The framers are those guys with the hair who signed the con Never mind. Learn about the separation of powers and how to restore constitutional restraints in a free Hillsdale College course. It's called The Presidency and the Constitution at hillsdale.edu slash Andrew. That's where you sign up for it. It's free, and it's at hillsdale.edu slash Andrew. You get a new lesson every week right in your inbox from Hillsdale's professors, and you can learn how the Constitution is meant to protect us from would-be dictators. Don't be a low-information voter. If you're a high-information voter, you not only vote for better candidates, but you can laugh at the person next to you, which is what life is all about in the end. All right, New York, New York. What a what a wonderful, wonderful night it was. Let's let's we'll take a look at the results and we'll discuss them. We can start on the Democratic side because there's less to say. Hillary Clinton won a convincing victory. You know, it's funny. I was listening to a lot of the commentary last night. I was kind of flicking between Fox and CNN. I thought the commentary was just 
awful. I thought it was predictable, it was shallow, it was stupid, and it was most importantly, it was emotional. Like people were just if they weren't if they weren't just partisans, just hawking their candidate. They were just swept away in these kind of moments. They kept saying, oh, you know, Hillary Clinton slaughtered Bernie Sanders. Well, Hillary Clinton's victory was important because on the Democrat side, all the states have proportional, they award their delegates proportionately. So she just is so far ahead, especially with the superdelegate system. She's so far ahead of Bernie Sanders that she's basically killed him. But when you looked at the map, you know, New York is a funny state because it's divided almost in half population-wise between New York City and the rest of the state. And Bernie won most of the state. It's just where there were concentrations, city concentrations, that Hillary won. But it was a convincing victory. Then, then, so Bernie went home to Vermont to rest. He didn't even go on to the next convention, which I guess is in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. He just went, he's an old man, you know. It's like, hey, I'm so, so tired of selling this 200-year-old philosophy. I'm going to go home and have a nap, you know. I mean, it's just, it's just not only is his philosophy old, he's old. So he had to go home and take a nap. I, I, I guess he's still in it, but it's obvious that he's only in it to uh, cause trouble because he's not going to get the nomination anymore, it seems like. The other thing is, they talked about Hillary Clinton, like she made this speech, and it was, oh, how brilliant, how different, she's getting so much better at it. I, you know, first of all, it started out with this thing, it's, it's, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. This is a woman who had never lived in New York ever until she ran for Senate, and there's a residency requirement. So she, she bought this mansion in Chappaqua. I mean, Chappaqua is a, it's absolutely beautiful. It's up in the Hudson River Valley. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous town. She buys this mansion in Chappaqua, and who knows? She's got five mansions, so who knows how often she's in New York. But suddenly it's home, and this is her, you know, she's a, this is her home state and all. I mean, Bernie is at least an actual New Yorker, you know? So, like, she, she's just like a, a fake. So she gives this whole thing about it's there's no place like home and then as she should as she should she starts to run get into the general election so play the second hillary cut donald trump and ted cruz are pushing a vision for america that's divisive and frankly dangerous Returning to trickle-down economics, opposing any increase in the minimum wage, restricting a woman's right to make her own health care decisions. <laughs> Promising to round up millions of immigrants. Threatening to ban all Muslims from entering the country. Planning to treat American Muslims like criminals. These things go against everything America stands for. And we have a very different vision. It's about lifting each other up, not tearing each other down. You know, it, it's, it would take almost the rest of the show just to parse the dishonesty in that speech. I mean, I, you know, I'm not, that's her crowd and all this stuff. But just, first of all, trickle-down economics gave us 25 years of prosperity. And what's the alternative? Trickle-down trickle economics was the idea that if we let business do its thing, that will, the money will trickle down from the top to the rest of us. What's the alternative to that? I mean, at one point, Barack Obama tried to sell this idea of trickle-up economics. How does that work? I mean, when has a, has a poor man ever given you a job? Has a poor person ever given you a job? You know, I mean, who makes the jobs? Who makes the stuff that we buy? Who creates the economy? It's the, the big guys. I mean, that's the, that's the way it works. There is no alternative to trickle-down economics, and it worked great. So what, the, what is this thing about that? That's the first thing. Then it's, oh, they're against the minimum wage, which 
I think 99% of economists agree that it kills jobs. They just instituted it here in California, and the governor said, well, this isn't economically sound, but it's the moral thing to do, <laughs> which is like saying, that's, that's the kind of political discourse we get in California. It's just double talk, you know? And then she says, oh, we're, we're depriving a woman of her right to choose her own health care. Now, what candidate has ever stood at a podium and said, I don't want women to be able to choose their, make their own health care choices. Men should make health care. They don't want you to kill the baby. Stop killing babies. I mean, how hard is that? You know, I mean, stop killing them. <laughs> you don't want a baby. Don't have unprotected sex. And if you have, have unprotected sex and you have a baby, don't kill it. You know, I mean, that's not, that has nothing to do with a woman's health care. It's just the words they use. And then, you know, we're deporting immigrants. Like, you know, some guy with... You know, an Italian family who's been here for generations, suddenly Ted Cruz is going to kick down his door and say, you you weren't one of the guys on the Mayflower. We're, you're out of here. You know? It's like immigrants. It's people sneaking across the border, breaking the law. There's supposed to be laws. I mean, is that so, so terribly difficult? Anyway, but that is Democrat politics. That is Democrat politics, the same way they talk about people working hard while they engineer you know, policies that will stop people from working hard, same way they run on these kind of moderate, middle-of-the-road sounding phrases, but they govern from the far left. That's Democrat politics. The press is going to back them up. The press is going to help them lie. If you can't beat that, if a Republican cannot beat that playbook, he doesn't belong in the game. But that's actually not the problem on the Republic. Both, both Trump and Cruz, I mean, if we can look at those guys as kind of the last two men standing, they're perfectly capable of taking on Hillary Clinton in terms of debate and in terms of standing up to the press. I mean, the one thing we don't have is a Mitt Romney uh, or a John McCain who's going to try to curry favor with the New York Times, a former newspaper, and try and, you know, win over a media that just wants him dead. So that's not a problem. On the Trump side, on the Republican side, it was a blowout much worse than I hoped it would be. They were, polls were showing it at 54%. I had heard people in the campaign saying we're going to do even better than that. It was a blowout. I think it was almost 60% for Trump. They were saying that he needed 91 of the 95 New York delegates to stay on track to win a majority before the convention. I don't know if he's going to get that, but I think those estimates are all estimates anyway, so it doesn't really matter. He's going to be within, it's going to be 89, 90, something like that. They haven't decided it yet. Uh, Kasich won Manhattan, which I thought was interesting. The one place, the one place where Donald Trump has actually been a huge presence, they actually made a big difference. It's like, yeah, we know him. We don't well, no, 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 forget that. You know, that, that wasn't uh, doing so good. So then the commentary on him. First of all, Fox News. I'm sorry, Fox, <laughs> watch, you may now watch me ruin any chance I ever have of being invited back on Fox News. Fox News should have been ashamed of itself last night. They put Hannity in charge of basically the primetime coverage of the primaries. Hannity is a Trump partisan. He is a complete, you know, a mouthpiece for Trump. And you know what? Hannity has the right to do that. I seriously disagree with him. I think he's made a serious mistake, both morally and in terms of broadcasting, over the long term. But that's who he is, and that's what he does. And he brings on Laura Ingram, who is another Trump partisan. You know, the whole point about Hannity is he's a commentator. He says this himself. He's not supposed to be objective. He's got an opinion. He sells his opinion. I disagree with his opinion, but he has a right to do that. I mean, that is fairness in advertising. He is not supposed to provide the news coverage. It's Brett Baer who's supposed to do it. And, you know, he, he does a great job. And he came on later on and kind of mopped up. 
But during the thing, I couldn't watch it. It was, un, it was unwatchable listening to Hannity hammer away at Trump's talking points about the rigged elections and all this stuff. It was unwatchable. So I turn on CNN, and there they're just, it's just like, They've got like 10, com their panel is two desks. They need two desks to hold their panel. And I don't think there was a single conservative on it. If there was, I may have missed it because after a while, my eyes glazed over. So then there was all this talk about Trump. He's much more disciplined. He hasn't made a gaffe in two weeks, you know. It's like, or they, maybe they just haven't found the body, you know. It's like, who knows? You know, he hasn't married another woman in two weeks. He hasn't insulted a, a, an entire race in two weeks. It's just wonderful. He's so disciplined. He's so presidential. He's going to be more presidential than anybody else. But I thought... His speech was the usual graceless Trump stuff. I mean, he played the second Trump cut, Trump uh, too. We don't have much of a race anymore, based on what I'm seeing on television. Yeah. Senator Cruz is just about mathematically eliminated. And we've won another state. As you know, we have won millions of more votes than Senator Cruz. Millions and millions of more votes than Governor Kasich. We've won, and now, especially after tonight, close to 300 delegates more than Senator Cruz. We're really, really rocking. We're really rocking. You know, it's just it's a curb stomp. You know, I mean, look, that's the Trump style, and I'm not saying he can't do what he does, but this idea that he's now a more disciplined, more presidential candidate is nonsense. What's happened is he's had... He suddenly got religion in terms of mainstream politics, got rid of Corey Lewandowski. You know, he didn't get rid of him. He demoted him from the uh, from being his campaign manager to being now he's his body man. <laughs> They're saying his body man, which he does a great job. Any any hundred pound girl who approaches Donald Trump is going to get he's going to just beat that crap out of her. And Trump will pay his legal fees, you know. So it's like he's he's Trump is really protected. We don't have to worry. Not a single not a single female reporter is going to be able to attack him with her pen bomb and blow him up. So we're, we're he's much safer. So that's happened. Then he has he is now kind of playing a much more standard political game. And here he is going back to his big talking point uh, that the system is rigged and it's so, so unfair that he is getting all these delegates. Nobody should be given delegates, which is a ticket to victory, and it's not a fair ticket. And even though we're leading by a lot and we can't be caught, it's impossible to catch us. Nobody should take delegates and claim victory unless they get those delegates with voters and voting. And that's what's going to happen. And you watch, because the people aren't going to stand for it. It's a crooked system. It's a system that's rigged. And we're going to go back to the old way. It's called you vote and you win. So we'll be going into the convention no matter what happens. And I think we're going to go in so strong. And over the next number of weeks, we just saw a poll come out of California, which is an unbelievable poll. But we're going to go into the convention, I think, as the winner. But nobody can take an election away with the way they're doing it in the Republican Party. And by the way, I am no fan of Bernie, but I've seen Bernie win, 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 and then I watch and they say he has no chance of winning. So they have their superdelegate. The Republican system is worse. So I want to just thank everybody. I have great, great admiration and praise for the city of New York and the state of New York. I can think of nowhere that I would rather have this victory.
So the system is rigged, and we're going to go back to the old way that they used in 19-oh-never, because this thing has been in place for 150 years. They've been doing it this way. All he had to do was read the book. All he had to do was read the rules, but he didn't do it. Something else was happening last night, though, that nobody noticed, and I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But first, a word from the other company sponsoring the end of our republic is Reagan.com. Your privacy is under attack. Big tech companies are scanning your emails and targeting you with unwanted advertising. Government agencies are collecting data at alarming rates. Little men are running through your underwear drawer looking for where you keep those dirty pictures you took through your neighbor's window. And maybe that one's just happening at my house. I'm sorry. That's a, but, but the other stuff is, is really happening. And you can take back your privacy by getting a, an email address at Reagan.com. You will get your name at Reagan.com as your private, unscannable email address. You can proudly share President Reagan's name with every email you send, which can only improve your emails, which, let's face it, are you know, slacking off a little bit. And you know your emails will never be scanned or shared with third parties. So go to Reagan.com privacy.com right now and secure your personal private email address and you get two free bonus months. You get two months free at reaganprivacy.com. So nobody else has those little men going through the underwear drawer. Huh? That's just that's just me. Okay. Here's what nobody noticed last night. And and I'm I, you know, I won't call myself a cruise partisan. I think he is the best man in the race and I support him, but uh, I will certainly point out anything I think he's doing that I don't like. But I thought something interesting, he did something interesting last night. He, first of all, he left New York. He got smashed, so he lost. I don't think he'll get any delegates, so it really, really looks bad. I told you it was going to be two weeks. For, two, for those of us who would like somebody other than Donald Trump, it's going to be two weeks where it looks like Trump has got it, and he may have it. He may have it. It's, it could be the darkness before the even deeper darkness. But, but it's not necessarily, and you can't get carried away on what people are saying. Cruz is now running a campaign where he is hoping that his superior organizational skills and his ground game will take him into a contested convention where he will pull the rug out from under Donald Trump, if not the rug off the top of his head. So, and that and that is what I think he should do. I think Hannity can beat this drum as loud as he wants. He can, oh, it should be the votes, it should be the delegate, all that stuff. These are the rules, and if Cruz can do it, I think if Trump walks in there with one less vote, if he has a delegate who's just not even wearing one of his shoes, I think Cruz should pull this thing out from under him and try to save the republic. Meanwhile, he made a speech in Philadelphia and we've talked about before that whenever people quit the race, they always make their best speech. And it's easy, you know, because now you have nothing on the line anymore. You can say pretty much what you want. You've got this kind of global perspective. You're standing on a hill walking away, and you can sort of see the whole race. He made that speech last night, which was really interesting. Uh, play, play the first cut of Cruz talking. This generation must first look inward to see who we really are after years of being beaten down. Years of being told we couldn't, shouldn't, or wouldn't. This generation needs to answer a new set of questions. Can we? Should we? Will we? Are we still those people? Those dreamers and doers? Are America's greatest generations in our past? Or our best days yet ahead? We must unite the Republican Party, because doing so is the first step towards uniting all Americans. 
The question is not whether all Americans can or will agree on a majority of issues all of the time. The question is whether a majority of Americans are hungry to rally around a set of principles larger than any single issue that a politician may use to divide us. What, what Cruz talked about last night, see, what, what I don't think people have noticed is that Cruz is finding his voice in a way that he didn't have it before. He's losing a little bit of that pious, kind of heavy-handed, uh, you know, Tennessee preacher kind of at, at, attitude that he had before. He's losing a little bit of the, the wagging his finger at us, and he start, he's starting to find, find his voice. It began when he did that, uh, was, it, was it Jimmy Kimmel that he was on? Uh, it was on one of the late shows, and he was very relaxed and funny. But now, see, the problem that every true conservative has is, is simply this. It's that he has to sell the voter on government doing less. It's not a big speech, you know, it's a hard speech to make. You know, we're gonna do less for you. We're not gonna give you a lot of money. We're gonna not have a program that helps you. We're gonna let you take care of it because that's the way the world works best. That's a really, really tough sell in a world of gimme, gimme, gimme. He made that speech, or at least began to make that speech last night. He talked about, for instance, how uh, uh, Gates and uh, Jobs built the computer industry basically in their garages, in their imaginations. He talked about the fact that Reagan set people free to do that. And one of the things that you know I, people always forget is that the '60s generation, the generation that rebelled, the generation that you know destroyed values, the generation that uh, protested wars and you know made all all this trouble, that was also the '80s generation. It was the same generation. That was the generation of Wall Street, the generation that built the economy the generation that built a new way of investing and creating things, and the generation, the same generation, that built the computers. And it was really both those things, the kind of freedom that came out of the 60s and the discipline and capitalism and individualism that came out of the 80s that helped those things grow, helped build an entire industry that, let's face it, is the world that we live in now. That world did not exist. People don't remember, but that world did not exist. There weren't iPhones. There weren't computers. You know, you typed on typers. That, and that was built by that generation. So as much as we t tear down the, that baby boom generation, they did transform the world in that way. While other bad things were going on, they did transform the world. That's what Cruz is trying to sell. He's trying to sell a world where individuals can build the future instead of government building the future. And last night, he made a pretty good speech. It wasn't... I, I wouldn't call it a great speech. It wasn't specific enough. He didn't, but it was short. He didn't stand there like he always does and debate for half an hour when the long after the TV cameras have left. He made it a short speech. He knew he had lost, and so he made a kind of high-minded speech. You know, if if it should be if it should be that we come out of this maelstrom of darkness and Trump goes into this convention and has doesn't have the, the votes, and Cruz takes it away from him uh, in the convention, we may have a candidate who's much stronger, because this is the other thing about last night that people really haven't mentioned. All this talk about the system is rigged, and the system doesn't work, and we're not getting what we want, and the voters are getting what we want. The voters are getting candidates that they hate. Whatever, whatever it is about the system, the voters are getting candidates that they hate. People hate Donald Trump. Here's a, here's a poll out from NBC News, the Wall Street Journal, okay? As the American public views the 2016 presidential campaign, it's seen many more flaws than strengths, according to the results of this poll. Nearly 7 in 10 registered voters say they couldn't see themselves supporting Republican frontrunner Donald Trump. 61% 
say they couldn't back fellow Republican Ted Cruz, and 58% couldn't see themselves voting for Democratic favorite Hillary Clinton. They hate these people. They hate all of them. And the only thing I'll say about Cruz in Cruz's defense is a lot of them don't know who he is yet. They, they just have heard kind of bad things from the media and all this stuff. What's more, 65% of all voters have a negative view of Trump, making him the most unpopular major presidential candidate in the history of the poll. 56% have an unfavorable view of Clinton, which is up five points from last month. The more they see her, the less they like her, and almost half of voters view Cruz in a negative light. And to top it off, just 19% of all respondents give Clinton high marks for being honest and trustworthy, while only 12% give Trump high scores for having the right temperament. What's going on? You know, why do we have this system, this incredibly complex system, and instead of giving us people that we kind of all are a little bit dissatisfied with but can support, it's giving us these guys that nobody seems to like. I mean, that's that's a lot. If over half the people don't like you, you know, on your side, you're you're kind of in trouble. Here's a here's a guy, Frank Bruni, in the New York Times, a former newspaper. And Bruni is the typical left-wing New York Times guy. But he tries to figure out this what's going on. He says, American voters are displeased with the candidates they've been given. They've disengaged from the process that winnows the field. And that process disregards the political center. It erodes common ground and leaves us with a government that can build the necessary consensus for, let alone implement, sensible action in regard to taxes, infrastructure, immigration, guns, just about anything. Make America great again, we need to start making it functional, Bruni says. This election has certainly been extraordinary for its characters, but it's equally remarkable for its context, one of profound, paralyzing sourness. We've had such presidents and candidates before, and pessimism isn't new, but there have been developments and differences in 2016 that may well be making the situation worse. He immediately goes to the media. He says the media is is making the situation worse. This election isn't being covered so much as marketed by news organizations whose desperation for eyeballs has turned many of them into drama queens. Each new poll is a major scoop. There are countdown clocks for events. When you treat a campaign as if it were an athletic competition, you turn it into more of a blood sport than it already is. And he goes on to talk about social media and the way people are getting contained in their own opinions, just feeding their own opinions back to one another. But here's the thing about all that. You can't say it's not democratic. The news media isn't making this stuff up. They're doing what gets people to watch them. I mean, that's very democratic, right? It's very capitalistic. They're getting, and and what's the alternative? You know, you can have a system like in Britain where you have the BBC. You know, a lot of people don't know this. When you get a TV in Britain, you have to pay, get a license for your TV. You have to get a pay for a license to have a television set. And the payment that you give for that license goes to the BBC to promote the BBC. And the BBC is the most left-wing news organization on earth. It's essentially a socialist organization, anti-Semitic, anti-Israel. It's awful. I mean, you know, it's it's like the New York Times in that it has good, talented news gatherers. But an objective story on the BBC would just fall out of the top, back of the TV because it would never get on. So this is this is democracy that we're seeing you know this is democracy that this system is raising the, the people who are electing trump and cruz and hillary are the people who turn up it's not the delegate the delegate system isn't cheating anybody these are the people who are turning up you know they the republican partisans the the Democrat partisans, the, when you say it's ignoring the center, it's not the, it, that the system is ignoring the center. The center is ignoring the system. The center it doesn't care enough, isn't passionate enough to show up and vote. This 
is democracy. I mean, it's H.L. Mencken, that H.L. Mencken quote. I've used it before. Democracy is the theory that the common people know what they want and deserve to get it good and hard. So when you see, if you look at, if you look at this process and you don't like what you're seeing, you're seeing yourself. You're seeing yourself. You know, all of this, of course, has created this fantasy that some white knight candidate is going to come down in the, at the Republican convention and take it away from both Trump and Cruz. And Paul Ryan has completely eliminated himself. So Stephen Colbert had Ryan on. You, you know, Ryan gave the speech where he said, count me out, no way, period, full stop, I'm out of it. So here's Colbert interviewing Paul Ryan. Yes or no, would you accept the nomination? No, Stephen, I have said I do not want nor would I accept the Republican nomination. Got it. So you're considering the nomination? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Okay, I'll give you some time to mull this one over. How about now? Still no. So that's a maybe? No, it, it's a no. Like a no-no? Or one of those, no, I don't want to be Speaker of the House, but I'll accept it if you just give it to me no's. It's a no-no. And two no-no's make a yes? No, they make a firmer no, period. Okay, period. But if I add two more periods, it becomes an ellipsis. So, possibly? So, no, let me say it in clear English. No. Okay, how about clear German? <laughs> uh, nine. <laughs> clear Russian? Yet. <laughs> wow, you seem to know a lot of foreign languages. That kind of international experience will really come in handy if you decide to accept the Republican nomination, sir. <laughs> That's a very good imitation of our, our news media at work. All right, these are the days of darkness. This is the first week of the two-week maelstrom that we're going into. Don't lose hope. There's uh, more to come. We'll see what's going, going to go on. Stuff I like. Now playing Stuff I like. Stuff I like that is now available on TV or in the theaters. HB, no, it's, I'm sorry, it's Showtime, Showtime's Billions. This is, an, this is adult entertainment. This opens up, I was just talking about this, it opens up with one of the main characters tied up by his, what is it, dominatrix? I mispronounced, I said before, I said, my, my dominatrix says dominatrix, so I've just, <laughs> dominatrix puts out a cigarette on his chest. I have to say, I was watching this through my fingers. However, it has a surprise, this show has a surprise, that episode has a surprise ending that involves that that's very, rich and, and deep and interesting. Paul Giamatti plays a U.S. attorney looking to bring down Damian Lewis, who plays a billionaire. And both of them are, what can I say? They're both sympathetic characters, but they're both uh, cor corrupt in, each is corrupt in his own way. And television has become really, really good at this. As, as movies fall more and more into superheroes, square-jawed good guys against evil bad guys, TV has become the place to go to watch complex characters in realistic, dramatic uh, confrontations. This is two men face-to-face. -face. It's the go U.S. government fighting capitalists. It's the U.S. government fighting capitalists. It's basically the story of uh, Dodd, the Dodd-Frank bill, you know, like uh, the government kind of government behaving badly, but also the capitalists behaving badly. It's really, a really interesting show, very different. Do we have time to play one quick cut? Yeah, play a quick cut. This is a cut where Damian Lewis, uh, Giamatti is bugging Damian Lewis's company, and Damian Lewis is starting to act paranoid. But is he really paranoid, or is he just acting? Who are you talking to? Uh, nobody. Our, our, our sales monkey at Morgan. Let me see your phone. Not that phone, not your work phone. 
real fault. This is an offshore number. What is this? A, a guy, an analyst. The f***ing Antigua country called? Uh, all right, it's my bookie. He set up offshore. What's this? Unmarked? I'm calling this right now. Don't, please don't, don't, don't. Who the f*** are you talking to? It's my, my girlfriend from high school. I didn't have the heart to erase her number. She's, she's so sweet. And chesty. Everyone here is on notice. Everything you do will be picked apart until I discover who is on the level and who's a fing quizzling. Don't you get the rat scurry? Billions on Showtime, really good adult entertainment about Wall Street and the U.S. Attorney's Office at war. All right. We made it through the New York primaries. It wasn't pretty, but we're still standing. We'll come back tomorrow and talk about it all some more. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. I will see you then. <laughs>